Hey, this is Steve with Life Worth Living. You know, following Jesus to the independent observer is not something that's very easy to explain because you can't see Jesus. But the fact of the matter is, nowadays, to follow Jesus means that you're following the Holy Spirit of God. And, and it's again, it's not an easy thing to understand because it's not visible. It's not tangible. But the Spirit of God interfaces with our hearts, our spirits, our souls, our emotions, and even our minds. And, and so we have to learn to follow the Holy Spirit nowadays instead of following the physical person of Jesus. So in order to do that, we're going to look at today four things that we've got to understand of how the Spirit of God leads us. There's four ways that the Spirit of God leads us, and we have to understand those ways so that we'll recognize the leading of the Holy Spirit as He leads us closer to God. I hope you listen carefully take some notes, and begin to apply these principles that we talk about today. Can you see Jesus? If Jesus walked in the room, I wish I could see him, and I wish he would tell me, Steve, I want you to follow me from now on, and I wish I could visibly see Jesus so I could follow where he was going, just like those disciples did, right? But that's not going to happen right now. I wish it were, but it's not going to. So, There's a spiritual way of following Jesus. There's a spiritual way. See, when Jesus was taken up from this earth, he said, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. In fact, the Bible refers to the Holy Spirit as the Spirit of Jesus. Jesus' very own Spirit, he said, I'm going to send him to you, not it. The Spirit is not an it. The Spirit is he. The, the, the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, and He is going to be the one that you follow. So you and I, we've got to put on our spiritual ears, be aware of our souls, the Spirit, our own spirits, and follow Jesus by paying attention to the Holy Spirit of God. And what I'd like to share with you today is four ways that you can follow Jesus today, follow the Holy Spirit of God today. And it's all in 2 Timothy 3, verses 16 and 17. And it's speaking of how God uses the Bible to lead us and the Spirit of God to lead us. Here it goes. It says this, For the whole Scripture, the whole Bible, from beginning to end, is given by inspiration from God. God inspired godly men and women to write the the Bible and give it to us so that we could follow God, all right? So it's inspired by God, and it is profitable. Profitable. What is profitable? Don't you wish you were more profitable? You had a couple extra thousand dollars in your bank account? Don't you wish we were more profitable? All right? This is spiritually profitable for four things. Look at this. For teaching, for convicting, for correcting, and for instructing in righteousness, so that the man or woman of God may be complete, fully equipped for every good work. Praise God. So today we're going to find out how to follow Jesus through these four disciplines right here, of teaching, convicting, correcting, and instructing in righteousness. You see, the Bible and the Holy Spirit work in tandem. What I mean by in tandem, that means if me and my wife are walking down the sidewalk in tandem, that means we're walking 
beside one another, in step with one another. The Holy Spirit and the Bible work in tandem in your life. If you're not reading your Bible, you're not learning to hear the Holy Spirit. A lot of us would say, well, Steve, how can you hear the Holy Spirit? Read your Bible. Read your Bible most every day, most every day, and you'll learn to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. A lot of people think the Holy Spirit is their conscience, and the Holy Spirit certainly serves to be our conscience a lot of times, but the Holy Spirit is far more than your conscience. It's the Spirit of God trying to get through to you and talk to you. And so if the more you read the Bible, the more you'll recognize the Spirit of God telling you, do this, don't do that, be careful with this, don't go there, definitely go there. Hey, go talk to that person. Don't go talk to these people. The Holy Spirit is active, folks. He is active. And you can get up every morning and talk to the Holy Spirit. Learn this from Sister Kay. Talk to the Holy Spirit. Wake up in the morning and say, Holy Spirit, thank you that you are with me right here, right now. I haven't even opened my eyes yet. I haven't rolled out of the bed yet. I haven't done anything wrong or right yet. Holy Spirit, I'm so glad you're here with me. I tell you what, I do that probably every single morning. The first thing on my mind is the Holy Spirit of God. But the Bible and the Holy Spirit will lead us in these four areas. Here it goes, in teaching. In teaching. In Deuteronomy 31, verses 12 through 13, before I start reading this, let me ask you a question. Are you teachable? Are you, are you trainable? Are you coachable? Or have you made up your mind, you already know it all, you don't need anybody to tell you what to do. In fact, when somebody does tell you what to do, you harden up, you bristle up, and you say, I'm not going to listen to what, I know what I'm doing. I don't need any input from anybody. Well, let me tell you what, if that's you, this sermon ain't going to do you no good, as they say here in Texas. (laughs) It's not going to do you any good. You've got to be teachable. Nobody knows it all, and even close to knowing it all. Deuteronomy 31, verses 12 through 13, it says, this was Moses, all right, out in the desert with two million Israelites that had come out of Egypt. He said, assemble the people. Who? (laughs) Look at this. Assemble men. Assemble women. Assemble children. And even go ahead and assemble the foreigners. In other words, assemble everybody of every age so that, what? They can listen and learn. Two the fear of the Lord your God, and follow carefully all the words of God's law. Their children, look at this. If you're teachable with the Holy Spirit, if you allow the Holy Spirit to teachable, for you to be teachable, get, let me tell you what, your kids will be teachable as well. It's a huge secret. Parents, grandparents, if you know it all, your kids are going to become know-it-alls as well. And they'll grow up to to be fools, as the Bible says. They'll they'll fall off spiritual cliffs. They'll make terrible mistakes. But if you are a constant spiritual learner and constantly trying to learn from the Lord Jesus Christ and let him teach you, your children will be teachable as well. Your children will be teachable as well. I don't know for you as a parent, but for me as a parent, that's a big, important thing that I need to always consider. All right, so let's some, some thoughts here from Deuteronomy 31, verses 12 and 13. Teaching and learning are inseparable, obviously. 
If there's a teacher, there's got to be a student. If there's instruction, there's got to be somebody that's got to be open to instruction. All right, so teaching and learning are inseparable. And the teaching of the Bible, listen to this, is not academic or theoretical. You know how much I learned in college? <laughs> I got a dual degree in accounting and I got a degree in computer information systems. You know how much I learned, how much I retained from college? Probably not much of anything. <laughs> the only thing that I learned in college was I learned to learn. I learned to learn. What you're gonna take out of here, you're gonna take about three to 5% of what I say today. It's all you're gonna be able to retain, all right? So please take something. But you know what? The Bible is not like college. It's not theoretical. It's not academic. It is life application. It's applicable to your day-to-day -day lives. It helps you with your finances. It helps you with your mental health. It helps you with your physical health. It helps you make decisions. It helps you with relationships. It helps with everything. You've got all you need in that book, the Bible. Please read it. Please let it teach you. Let the Holy Spirit take the Bible and teach you something that you don't know or that you're stubborn about. All right? It's not theoretical. In fact, the Bible has one simple goal. It's for you to live a godly life and know the will of God. That's what God's trying to teach you is for you to live a godly life. To be an example to your kids, to your kids' kids, to be an example to your friends, to live a godly life and to know the will of God and live out the will of God for those around you and for yourself. Hey, that's a pretty simple goal. The Bible is not theoretical. It's not just academic. In fact, people who, and I've come across a lot of people like this, they can quote the scriptures way better than I can. But you know what? They haven't let that head knowledge come down and change their life. The Bible is intended, and the Holy Spirit and Jesus, their intention is to change your life. So if you're happy with where you're at, you're not going to have fun being a Christian because God is always pushing you to another level, to another level. In fact, there's a lot of things wrong with me. I've got a lot of weaknesses, a lot of flaws, but I'll tell you what, there's one thing that I'm glad I have in me, and it's part of who I am, and it's never going to change, and it's this, I always want to improve. I always want to get better. I always want to be a learner. Are you one of those people? Are you going to be complacent, mediocre, status quo, and never get past where you're at today. Please seek to improve. Please seek to go to a higher level. Please seek to know something you didn't know yesterday. Not just spiritually, but in every area. Always learning and always improving. God wants to change your life. The minute you decide to stop changing, you start the dying process. You start the dying process. But look at this, all, all scriptures about teaching and learning. Isaiah 28, 26, look at, look at this. It says, his God instructs him and teaches him the right way. What does God do? 
He teaches you and instructs you in the right way. And what I get from this is teaching. God's teaching is a lifestyle teaching. It gets into every nook and cranny of your life, into your attitudes, into your habits, into your behaviors, into what you say and how do you react. It gets into everything. In fact, Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is like flour, all right? You put flour into dough and you knead it, that flour permeates every part of the dough. That's, the, that's what God's teachings are like. It gets into your business. Are you okay with God getting into your business? We sure should <laughs> want to and allow that to happen because he's going to make your business better. That's why you want that to happen. He's going to make your business better. Romans 15, again, talking about teaching. For everything that was written in the past was written for our instruction. All right, this was the Apostle Paul writing in the New Testament, looking back at the Old Testament and saying, everything that was written was written for our instruction. Some people don't read the Old Testament. Like, why wouldn't you read the Old Testament? It's full of powerful illustrations and examples of true events that apply to us today. So it was written for our instruction so that through endurance and encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. Let me tell you what, the Bible encourages you. If you read the Bible, you will be a very positive, encouraged, and encouraging person. You say, I'm hopeless, Steve. I'm down in the doldrums. I can't get out of this pit that I'm in. Read your Bible, and it will instruct you and encourage you. It will teach you. Psalms 119, verses 66 through 67, the, the psalmist, who's uh, David, I believe in this case, says, teach me knowledge, teach me knowledge and good judgment, for I trust your commands. Before I was afflicted, now look at this, <laughs> before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I obey your word. Now, this word knowledge, teach me knowledge, is an experiential knowledge, not a head knowledge, but an experiential knowledge. And I'll tell you this, everything that you genuinely learn in life is through experience. You could have the best teacher, you could have a, your hero standing beside you day and night telling you what to do and how to do it and, and helping you avoid mistakes, but let me tell you, you'll never learn something until you learn it from experience. It's an experiential knowledge, and God knows that. So what does he do? He allows experiences to happen in your life, both good and bad. And have you ever heard of an anti-mentor before? An anti-mentor? I haven't either. I made that term up because I used to have one. All right? I used to have an anti-mentor. This person was the worst boss I've ever had in the whole world. I mean, you couldn't have asked for a worse boss. Years working under this person. I learned more from him than I learned from all my other bosses combined. Why? Because he taught me what not to do. <laughs> Over a day after day after day of saying, oh my word, this is how you don't do it. And look what happens when you do it the wrong way, and I experienced pain for years, I learned so much. You know what? God allowed that to happen. 
And now, looking back on it, I'm thankful because I know so much more for my precious anti-mentor. <laughs> my precious anti-mentor. And so look, the Bible says here, before I was afflicted, before I had this bad experience, I went astray. But after I was afflicted and had a bad experience, I won't go astray anymore. And you look at the mistakes that you've made, and hopefully you're one of those people that learns from your mistakes and doesn't keep hitting their head against the wall over and over again. Would you please learn and go a different direction once you've made a mistake? Don't keep making the same mistake over again. My goodness, people... Some folks, ah, I won't go there. I'm starting to sound like my dad. I started to say something, but I'm not going to say it because I might step on somebody's toes. All right, look at this. Matthew 19, 16. Just then a man came to Jesus and asked, look at what he called Jesus. Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Did you know that Jesus was referred to as teacher just about more than any other title, he was referred to as teacher. Now, the winningest coach, at least of NCAA basketball, was Coach Wooden. I call him Wooden. Some people say Wooden. Anyways, Coach Wooden. And this guy won more NCAA championships, basketball championships, than I think any coach has to date. And you know what this coach referred to himself as? Teacher. That's how he saw himself, as a teacher. Now, <laughs> a lot of, if you work in any company, they have a training program. Tra don't confuse training for teaching. <laughs> training is simply an orientation of something, but a teacher will come down beside you and walk with you and teach you what you need to learn. If it takes months, if it takes years, that's called a mentor. That's called a true teacher someone who cares about you, and Jesus is your teacher. He, Jesus, is your teacher. So, if Jesus is your teacher, what does that make you? A student that comes every morning ready to learn, ready to change, ready to experiment with what they're learning and trying to put it into practice to see how it best works for them. If Jesus is a teacher, we need to be the student. Number two, the next way that we can follow Jesus and get closer to God through the Bible, through the Holy Spirit, is this terrible word, convicting, all right? Uh, a lot of people don't like that word, and understandably so. But this, the Greek, the, the Greek flavor because the, the New Testament was written in Greek. The Greek flavor of convicting is a little bit different from what it is in English. And convicting simply means that you're persuaded that something is in fact wrong. You're persuaded. You're convinced that something is wrong. And it's something that you didn't think was wrong before, but now you have what's called stronger convictions. And you say, no way. I'm not doing that because it is flat out wrong. It is sinful and it will do me harm if I keep doing that. You have convictions. All right? Now, the conviction, the, the work of conviction is done only by the Holy Spirit. So I could go up to you and say, dude, 
you need to stop watching pornography. All right? And you say, why? I don't think it's wrong. I enjoy it. All right? Only the Holy Spirit can come to you and convince you and convict you that it is wrong and that you don't want to have anything to do with it anymore. The power of the Holy Spirit does that. I can't do that. You can't do that even for your kids. I've tried. You can put guilt trips on people and say, if you do that, you know, it's this that's going to happen. And you try to put a guilt trip, it doesn't work. Only God can convince you and persuade you that something is harmful for you. All right? So we need the Holy Spirit to do this work. All right? In John 16, 8, we see this. And when he, it's referring to the Holy Spirit. If you read the verses prior to it, you'll see that what I'm telling you is true. When he, the Holy Spirit comes, he will convict and convince the world and bring a demonstration to it about three things. About sin, about righteousness, and about judgment. Let me tell you what, as a Christian... God wants to give you stronger convictions than what you have today. And if you've been a Christian any length period of time, you can look back on your life and say, whoa, I've got, I definitely have different convictions than I had five years ago or 10 years ago. God wants you to be a man or woman of strong convictions, especially in this day and age, which by the way, I am celebrating the overturning of Roe v. Wade. I meant to mention that. I am celebrating that. Thank you, Jesus, that after 49 years, the murder of infants is finally federally illegal. <laughs> All right? Now, if you've had an abortion, you believe in abortion, whatnot, I don't want to offend your step on your toes, but for we who are <laughs> Christians and believe the Bible and don't want to see innocent lives murdered, I praise God for the overturning of this. It's unbelievable. It blows my mind that God did this in our country, that he overturned it after 49 years. Strong convictions. Let me tell you what. Some people would kind of waffle about abortions and think, well, you know, what about this? And what about that? And what about a, a woman's rights? And I would say, what about a baby's rights? Strong convictions, you know, standing up for what you believe, even if you suffer some level of persecution. Strong convictions. All right, so Hebrews 10, verse 14. For by one sacrifice, he was made perfect. Jesus was made perfect forever. Those who are being made perfect, all right? We're going to get into this in August a lot more, man. God has been dealing with me about his holiness, about his sanctification. But convictions, what happens little by little, you stop watching the movies that you used to watch. You say, you know what? This music bothers me now. It, it didn't used to bother me, but now it does. And you start growing in convictions, not in legalism, because that's not what we want. We want, don't want legalism. You let the Holy Spirit of God convict you about what you need. Because what he's dealing with me is going to be different from what he's dealing with you. All I ask and all God's asked is that you listen to him and cooperate with him 
and start letting go of certain things and taking hold of other things. We need to grow as a Christian and have stronger convictions. Let me tell you what. There will always be at least one thing that God is dealing with in your life. Always. Until the day you die, he will always be working on some area in your life. Please cooperate with God. I'll give you some examples. I'll give you some personal, at least the first one is a personal example. God has been dealing with me about my doubts. I doubt God all the time. I doubt myself all the time. Doubt, doubt, doubt. And God has told me this year, Steve, I want you to stop doubting. And I'm cooperating with God as I dig myself out of the pit of doubt. Okay? Some of you, maybe the Lord is dealing with you about the amount of time you stay on social media. Say, my goodness, I'm on there four hours. I'm on there six hours. I'm always constantly looking. Guess what? The Holy Spirit might one day start convicting you and say, it's not good for you to be on social media so much. Let's back off of it. Cooperate and let me, the Holy Spirit saying, I will help you get off of social media. Is social media bad? No. But six hours, eight hours. I mean, God wants to help you with that. How about this, men? You're driving, you see a, a beautiful woman, and that second glance, that look in the rearview mirror, God is convicting you and saying, stop it. Stop looking. Stop taking the second look. Or maybe it's a second helping of food <laughs> that God is trying to see. God cares about your health. He really does. Maybe he's convicting you about spending more time with your family. These bozos talk about, well, I spend quality time with my family. Your family needs quantity, too. Lots of quantity. Lots of attention. Lots of focus. Lots of fun with your family. Um, video games. I've got some young people in here. Yeah, shoot, it's not just young people who play video games. People stay on these video games all day. And I praise God for my, uh, my boys. They I let them play video games. It's not, no problem. But they themselves began to feel like it wasn't quite right to be playing night and day and constantly be looking. They would tell this, them, this, they would tell this to you themselves. They've been freed from the addiction of playing video games. You see how God gets into every part of your life and impacts everything about your life? I, I noticed this. Um, my my wife's family, who I would consider my family, was with us in town last weekend. And I don't know how to refer to him. My brother-in-law's son's grandson? No, his, his, his grandson. Anyways, the little four-year-old was so well-behaved. His name was Beckham. So well-behaved. I was so impressed with, with Danny and Shannon's influence. My brother, my brother and brother and sister-in-law's influence of this little boy and and his dad he comes from a, a little bit of a tough tough situation but he's so good-natured and as we were thinking about him we thought I we never saw that little boy on a phone or iPad for three days straight maybe the Lord would convict you as a parent and say you know what I got to get my kids off of this this is not good for them let the Holy Spirit talk to you about everything everything all right so in first thessalonians 1 5 
It says, because our gospel came to you not simply in words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. Deep conviction. The Holy Spirit wants to give you greater conviction in life about all kinds of things. All right, so what is our response? When God begins to deal with us, something in our lives, he convicts us in our lives about something, here's what we need to do. We need to stay humble before God's majesty. The God of the universe is talking to us about something important. We can't minimize it and say, oh, it's no big deal. No, I stay humble before the, the majesty of God and let him work in my life. Number three, correcting says that all scripture is inspired and corrects us corrects us. Well, what is this correcting in the Greek? It, it's really speaking of straighten, straightening, straightening, <laughs> let me try this again, straightening us out. He's trying to get us straight. Our lives are like a noodle spaghetti mess of messes. <laughs> and God takes those noodles that are all messed up and straightens them right out and makes your life orderly again, not screwed up anymore. You got your clarity of thought and clarity of purpose. You get up in the morning, you're not messed up. You're straight. You're corrected. And so Jesus has to make mid-course adjustments. As you're walking along, I've used the example of the space shuttle, but I'll use the example of a Tesla and, and these self-driving cars. They're, they have onboard computers that are constantly correcting them. And forget the self-driven cars. As you're driving down the freeway, you're driving down I-10, you're driving a long trip, you're constantly adjusting. It becomes, you're not even thinking about it, but you're adjusting, adjusting. You see the lanes, you're try, trying to stay in the lanes, and you're just constantly adjusting. That's what the Holy Spirit does to you. He's constantly bumping you. No, no, hold on. Just a little, look, gently just bumping you back on course. Now, if you force yourself over, he's going to bang you. <laughs> <laughs> you need to pop upside your head to get back into the safety zone. But he corrects you gently, gently corrects you. We need to be coachable. Look at this in Isaiah 53, verse 6. We all like sheep have gone astray. We all get off on the right, wrong path. All of us. Each of us has turned our own way. But the Lord has laid on him, on Jesus, the iniquities, the tendencies to do wrong, he laid all of that on Jesus. Praise God. Gave us the Holy Spirit to give us little yield signs, and we just stay in our lane. Stay in our lane, following Jesus, and he's correcting us. Praise God for that. Without God's intentional leadership in our lives, we all stray off course very quickly, and our lives become a mess. How many can you can, can testify to that? Has your life ever been a mess because you got off track? All of us. Every single one of us. Now look at this scripture. I love this one. This is in the Amplified Version. But in 1 Chronicles 28.9 it says, For the Lord searches the hearts and minds and understands all the wanderings of the thoughts. Our, our, our thoughts just wander off here and there. God understands the wanderings of your thoughts. And he helps get your thought life back in line where it should be. So if God is the one who corrects us, where, where does that put us? We need to listen to the voice of God. 
Listen to the voice of God. Now, does God shout in your ear? I'm not going to shout into the mic because it'll shock you. But does God shout into your ear or does he take a little bit of a different approach? Well, we see in 1 Kings 19.12, the prophet Elijah has gone up to complain to God that he's the only Christian, that his world's against him, his life is miserable. He gets up there and there's an earthquake and there's a windstorm and there's something with fire. But at the end of the day, at the end of that little episode, the Lord speaks to God, speaks to Elijah in a still, small voice. Would you listen to God? Would you hush all your worries, hush all your plans, hush all your hurts, and just listen to God's still, small voice in your life, helping you to be corrected? All right, let's go to the number four. We're almost done. We're doing good here. Instruction, instructing in righteousness. The scripture and the Holy Spirit are profitable for instructing us in righteousness. So this instructing, this, the, the Greek kind of bent on instruction is in fact mentorship of a child. When it's talking about instructing in righteousness, it's speaking of mentorship of a child. Now, the slowest developing cre creation or creature in, in all the earth is the human being. We develop so slow. I remember I was thinking about Kyle, who's now 22 years old. There he is right there. Okay, 22 years old. I was remembering him two days after he was born. His poor mother was worn out, so I was watching him in the middle of the night. They'd wrapped him up, his little cute little burrito. All, was, all that was there was just his little face, and he was just grunting. He'd just grunt all night long. So I was just watching him, thinking about him. This is my first child. You know, what do you, it's weird when you have your first child. It's yours. You know, you, you had something to do with this child. <laughs> and you know what? It takes years to get children to grow up physically, years to get them to grow up emotionally, spiritually. And you know what? It takes a mom it takes a dad, it takes a caring person to let that child flourish into what he or she needs to be. And this instruction in righteousness is God's Holy Spirit saying, I'm going to hover you all the days of your life. And I'm going to mentor you. And I'm going to help you. And I'm going to grow you. And I'm going to be with you. The Holy Spirit of God along with the Bible, right there. Mentorship, apprenticeship, coaching. <laughs> Training doesn't cut it. <laughs> you know, if you tell, I told, I told my kids to stop smoking. Well, that's not going to do the trick, all right? You got to get in there, help them, hold them accountable, encourage them, get on to them. Be a mentor, be a man or woman of God, says, I'm going to come alongside you the rest of your life, and I'm going to be there for you. That's what it takes, and that's what God is willing to do with you and with me. David, <laughs> King David, went through this mentorship process, and listen to how God was with him every step of the way. As a child, as a shepherd, God was with him. A lion, a mountain lion came out, a bear came out, the power of God came on David, and God experienced, excuse me, David experienced God's power when he slew 
the, the, uh, the lion, slew the bear that tried to take those sheep. Then he was faced with Goliath, and there again God stood right beside him as he swung that little, that, uh, little slingshot and that rock took down the giant. And God was with David when he went into battle as a, as a captain, and he had a hundred men, was with him, and he learned how to battle. God was with him when the king, King Saul, turned his back on him and started trying to persecute him and kill him. God was with David and mentored him along until he became king. And then when David was unfaithful and, and had an affair with Bathsheba, still God was with him, helping him, mentoring him, correcting him, encouraging, instructing him in righteousness. As he wrote psalms, as he wrote, wrote songs, as, he, as his own son turned against him and tried to steal his kingdom away from him, God was mentoring David every step of the way. God is with you. Cooperate with God. Cooperate with God. David wrote, in fact, in Psalms 19.7, which is one of our readings for this, this week. I hope you'll read it. The law of the Lord is perfect. The Bible is perfect. Converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure. Making wise the simple. That's what God's instruction and righteousness will do to us. And I'm going to read, I had no idea Sister Maggie was going to be here. I'm going to read one of her favorite chapters. In fact, I got it from you, Sister Maggie. All right, here it goes in Isaiah 43. It says, but now, this is what the Lord says. The one who created you, the one who formed you. Now, th there's a difference between these two words here. One is creating, created something out of nothing. But then God doesn't just create you out of nothing. He forms you. He starts working with you as a potter would the clay. He starts molding you and forming you. Now, if you will let God form you and instruct you in righteousness, look at the things that will benefit you, how God will benefit you. He says, do not be afraid because I have redeemed you. I've bought you out of slavery. I have called you by name. You are mine. This is what God's speaking to you. When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. Through the rivers, they won't sweep over. You walk through the fire, you won't be scorched. The flame won't set you ablaze. I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Redeemer. I have given Egypt as your ransom, Cush and the people of Seba in exchange for you. Since you are precious in my sight, and honored, and because I love you, I'm going to give up people in your place and nations in exchange for your life. Wow. Don't you want to follow Jesus? <laughs> Don't you want his instruction and his mentorship? Don't you want his coaching and correcting in your life? Hey, it's worth it, man. You can go out on your own and fall off a cliff, mess up, mess up your life, or you can stay right there. Let God just gently correct you, instruct you, build you up, teach you, and look what he will do for you. So what should be our response if God is instructing us in righteousness? We need to be changeable in his hands, moldable in his hands. Let him change you. Let him make you into the man or woman that he created you to be. So this month has been a month of deeper devotion. I'm going to ask Jesse if you would 
Brother Jimmy maybe to pass out these. This will be the last week. Don't worry. We don't have to do this anymore. All right? But I think it's a good exercise. And I'd like you to jot down one thing that God, maybe you're in the process of it. You, don't, you haven't experienced full and complete change. But what is one area that in this month of June, you know God has been tweaking or maybe monumentally changing? I don't know. What is he working on in your life that you'd like to give him credit for and say, you know what? God has been doing this for me. He's been changing this in me or he's been changing me in this. 